Hi, Value 101 listeners. This is producer Kaylee Monahan. This episode was produced before the news broke about ASU issuing a self-imposed year-long football bowl ban. This ban is in reaction to the NCAA investigation for possible infractions incurred under the former football coach, Herm Edwards. This episode will not be discussing that ban. But you can find out more about it on azcentral.com. Now, on to the episode. Just a year ago, the Arizona State University football team was looking at a bleak road ahead. The Sun Devils, under the direction of then-coach Herm Edwards, had fallen behind in a crucial area for their future, high school recruiting. Smaller schools like Northern Illinois and Western Kentucky were finishing ahead of ASU in the recruiting rankings. Now, there were a number of reasons for this, most notably the NCAA investigation that ASU is currently under for alleged recruiting violations that occurred during the COVID-19 pandemic. All right, spring football kicked off today as the Sun Devils returned to the field, but hovering over the program, of course, that ongoing NCAA investigation. ABC 15's Zach Crenshaw asking head coach Herm Edwards about the scandal at his first media availability in months. Here on the gridiron at Sun Devil Stadium, there's going to be a new QB under center, but there's also going to be five new assistant coaches right here on the sidelines. The reason why that ongoing NCAA investigation. The Sun Devils got off to a sluggish start to the 2022 fall season. After a bad loss to Eastern Michigan in mid-September, the university fired Edwards and made Sean Aguano the interim coach. At the same time, school officials began searching for a new person to lead the program. Well, Michael Crow, the president of ASU, and Ray Anderson, the vice president of athletics, didn't have to look far. The coach they wanted was right in their own backyard. A former ASU assistant and Phoenix native was waiting for this exact opportunity. Enter Kenny Dillingham, the 33-year-old offensive coordinator from the University of Oregon who was hired to be the face of ASU football. Welcome to Valley 101 a podcast by the Arizona Republic about Metro Phoenix and beyond. I'm intern producer Logan Stanley. Today, we're talking with one of the youngest coaches in college football as he hopes to usher in a new era of success in the Valley. After a recent practice, I joined the Republic's ASU reporter, Michelle Gardner, at Mountain America Stadium in Tempe, she had an exclusive one-on-one interview with the new coach from his office. Even though Kenny has only been at the head of the football program since last November, it feels like a lot longer for the young head coach. I feel like I've been here for five years. There's so many things to do that all the tasks that have to get accomplished, it feels like it. there's no way it's only been eight months. Then part of it's like, man, like the season's already here and it's game time, so it goes fast. But I would say that for me, it's more slow. Because of that, Kenny hasn't had much time to think about the position he is in. But make no mistake, he's living out his dream. In fact, he has envisioned this precise moment for quite some time. Six years ago, while fans were booking tickets on the Herm train, Kenny sent out a prediction. He texted Chris Cartman, publisher of SunDevilSource.com, that he be the next coach of the Sun Devils following Herm Edwards. 
While he didn't have a crystal ball or even a lottery ticket he could have cashed, his look in the future was right. From that text until now, he was keeping tabs on ASU from afar. That's my goal and just having a, a plan and a vision for how the profession works as a whole. So it was more, okay, seeing the, okay, defensive-minded head coach, okay, that means eventually he'll be gone where they want to hire offensive, right? That's how the profession works. So there opens up an opportunity, right, that if I do a good job these next five to six years and I progress and then, okay, at least I'll be a thought because it's what they're going to try to attract. And then the game was going younger. So, okay, you know, the next hire would probably be younger, right, and offensive, Okay, well, that's another box. So if I just continue to work and do my job, right, there's a chance I get the opportunity. And if I get the opportunity, I feel like I'll get it. But at this point, he had never been the head coach of a football program. So who exactly is Kenny Dillingham? And why did a school as large as ASU trust him to lead the Devils down the field? He was raised in Scottsdale. Eight generations of his family attended ASU, and Kenny grew up cheering on the Sun Devils, braving the heat to tailgate in the parking lot during the football season. I'm home. But first thing I want to say is I want to thank Dr. Crow, Ray Anderson, Gene Boyd, Marcus Williams. I mean, this is literally home. So I say that because this place is special. The state is special. The people in this room are special. I got guys in my wedding right there. Sorry. Pretty emotional, right? It's just who I am, <laughs> right? I got guys I used to go to their, their, their mentoring uh, dinners on Thursday. Not Lawrence in the back. I didn't know he was going to be here. When you talk about a person and a family that's rooted here, that's me. I'm sorry I'm emotional, but this is special. This place can be special, and it is special, right? And this is my dream job. That's all I got. At Kenny's emotional speech at his introductory press conference, Vice President Athletics Ray Anderson took to the podium to explain how ASU landed on Kenny. And a bunch of very qualified candidates who were interviewed and spoken to directly, indirectly. And we came to, very frankly, a unanimous and exciting decision that we had our man in Kenny Dillingham. And so what did the process, what was the profile? The first thing we did is said, let's figure out what the new head coach in this new era looks like. And it started with one thing very simple. This new head coach had to be in tune with and relatable to the new era student athlete. Energetic, flexible, adaptable, collaborative, innovative, great partner, great personality, great listener, great experiences winning and learning from others. Strong, passionate about this place. Someone who knows marketing and promotion. Someone who knows business. And as young as he is at age 32, 
the multitude of accomplishments and experiences and successes that Kenny Dillingham brought to the table was undeniable. And so this is a place where you needed someone who loves this community, loves this university, loves this state. And I believe that when you get a chance to bring them home, you bring them home. Kenny attended Chaparral High, where he played linebacker on the football team until his senior year. But a devastating knee injury put an end to any college football dreams. It was an ACL playing football. So then I tried to play without it in fall camp. And then it just, well, it was not good. I remember Conrad Hamilton, who's the head coach of Desert Mountain now, he was our defense coordinator. And he was like, who is this guy running around with this big old knee brace limping all the time? He needs to hang it up. Charlie Ragel, who played a big role later in their story, was the head football coach at Chaparral at the time. He helped lead the Chaparral Firebirds to three state championships during his tenure. While one path closed for Kenny with the injury, a new one opened up. During his final year in high school, Kenny began to dip his toes in the world of coaching. He helped out with the junior varsity team as a 17-year-old senior. By the time he was 21 years old, Kenny was named the offensive coordinator at Chaparral, a rare feat for someone so young. While coaching at Chaparral, Kenny attended ASU and spent a year as a graduate assistant on the football team under offensive coordinator Mike Norvell from 2014 to 2015. It was then he decided it was time to leave the Valley, if he wanted to get back and achieve his goal. Kenny headed east, where he was the quarterback's coach at the University of Memphis. So going to Memphis was, was allowing me, for leaving here, was allowing me to get with the quarterback. Then I became a coordinator because I worked with the quarterback. Going to Auburn was obviously getting the opportunity to be in the SEC as a coordinator. Like, that's a, that's a no-brainer, that move. Going back to Norvell was people-driven, as I have so much respect for Norvell. And he said, hey, come with me. I want to build something here. So that was not really professional. That was personal. I wanted to go help him in his journey to do what he wanted to do. I said, you know what? This isn't really a professional move. This is just for him. And this is a personal deal for somebody I respect and who helped me. And then going to Oregon for me was the opportunity to get out of Mike's shadow. That was a, a decision I had to make to say, well, everybody says, oh, this is Mike. This is Mike. This is Mike. I needed the opportunity to show that I can do this without that, that even though I'm young and have had these opportunities for offensive money head coaches, like I want to go run it by myself and show that there's a reason I've gotten these opportunities and it wasn't by accident. And that's why I went to Oregon was to be by myself on the offensive side of the ball and show that. So I think every job, most of them were the opportunity other than going to Florida State was definitely personal to help Coach Norvell and, and his vision just to be successful and bring that place back. Now, 33 years old and back at ASU, Kenny is the youngest head coach in any Power 5 conference, the elite conferences that send the most teams into the Division I football playoffs. The perceptions of being a young coach and the way some people may view it are something that Kenny looks to take on headfirst. Yeah, but I've heard that my entire life. 
and I was 22 as the OC of Shap, I was 26 as the OC of Memphis, I was 27 as the OC of Auburn. I've heard the young thing my whole life. It doesn't matter to me because all that matters to me is the people I coach and the people I work around and people respect knowledge. If they feel like I can help them, they're going to respect it, right? And the people that aren't around to seek the knowledge, then they're just going to go to their natural state of he's young. Right. So for me, it was always, well, if I want to be respected, I better learn. I better be able to teach it better than anybody else. I better be able to stay cutting edge. Like I can't get complacent because I am young. And if I get complacent and I'm young, right, then the narrative's going to be right. So it was always a challenge to me to break the narrative through knowledge. As well as always usually being the youngest person in the room, Kenny also wears another chip on his shoulder. He never played college football. Most people in college only get into college if you played college, have a connection in college. Usually don't get into college if there's not, you didn't play it or you don't have a relative that does it. So people told me, you're not going to coach college. You're probably going to, like, it's going to be really hard. You're not going to make it. Go coach high school. And I was great with that. I was fired up about it. And then just opportunities presented themselves. And I, I kind of took that as a challenge to some to people because there are people that I was close to that were telling me that. And I kind of took that as a challenge and tried to, uh, you know, not make it in spite of them, but more it just motivated me to be like, I can do that. Kenny has surrounded himself with a staff of experienced and diverse coaches. Keeping his ties to the Valley, Kenny hired his former high school football coach, Ragel, as the assistant head coach and special teams coordinator at ASU. When it came time to build out the rest of the staff for his debut season at the helm of the Sun Devils, football wasn't his only qualification. I would say the most important thing was a good person. I was going to hire people that I wanted to be around, right? Not people that I didn't want to be around. And then you have to balance, you have to be a good football coach. Like everybody wants to get wrapped up in recruiting and recruiting is important, but at the end of the day, you have to coach. So good football coaches that are good people. And that's when you then balance areas where people are from for recruiting. So after they check those two boxes, you're a good person, you're a good coach. Okay, we need some people that can recruit Southern California. Here is where he found Coach Saga Tuatelli. You need some people who can recruit the Bay. Insert Coach Vince Amy from the Bay. You need some people who can recruit the Pacific Northwest. Texas. Well... Bo Baldwin spent time at Eastern Washington University, where he won a national championship as a head coach. And Dillingham knew two people from Texas to add to his staff. We need guys, I want to make a point that we're going to recruit people in the state. So we put people from here in the state, they're recruiting the state. You want to recruit Hawaii? Well, we have two guys that have recruited there. One guy who's from there. Want to recruit Utah. Three of the guys on staff have recruited Utah in the past. So you have to be really strategic with not going all in in certain areas. With so much money involved in college football, there's a lot at stake. And in the cutthroat nature of the sport, that means your rivals will use anything against you. The NCAA is currently investigating the football team for allegedly breaking protocols set during the pandemic. No decision has been made. But it's impossible to ignore the cloud hovering with the investigation still lingering around. Young coach, potential sanctions, the heat in Arizona, all things potential opponents could use as ammo in the battle for recruits. Kenny knows this. 
It's a billion dollar industry. They're going to use everything that they can possibly think of to throw, right? And that's definitely something that things that I've heard, I've heard in my entire career though. It's not just here. Like, that's the thing. It's not, these narratives aren't just all of a sudden coming up. They're here. And my deal is, okay, well, just come watch us practice. Don't listen to the words somebody tells you. Come watch our kids operate. Come look at our kids' GPA. That was the highest spring GPA in the last 14 years here. Is that reflective of what they're trying to describe this young coach is? No. It's actually contradicting. What they're trying to perceive a young coach would be is not that, right? So come look at what we're actually doing and building and how we practice in our organization and then let them tell you that. And you then you take for you know your own opinion of what that means. College football has changed in many ways over the years. With the infusion of money from media rights deals, the impact has been seen far and wide, most notably in conference realignment, with ASU set to leave the Pac-12 next year for the Big 12. But that's a whole other story. Another one of the biggest changes to college football has been name, image, and likeness, NIL. With NIL, college athletes are now allowed to make money off their own likeness. This has added another element to the battle for high school recruits. ASU has struggled in the NIL sector, and Kenny is aiming to change that. He knows how important it is to succeed in the new landscape of college football. I was covering Kenny's introductory press conference as head coach when longtime ASU booster Nap Lawrence stood up in front of the room and announced he was donating $1 million to the Sun Angel Collective, a NIL group designed to help athletes at the school. That donation has been crucial to the Sun Devils. Well, first of all, we wouldn't have a football team without Nap Lawrence. And you can put that on every single streaming media you want. Nap Lawrence built our football team because what he did when the first day I got hired, right? So to see him out here, that dude's as valuable to the program as anybody on the field. I called him the other day and said, come out on the field, do whatever you want. Without you, we don't have a team. Point blank, simple, because that's the new day and age of college football. Activate the Valley has been Kinney's rallying cry for gathering support. What does that exactly mean? I'll let the man himself explain. Yeah, I think people understanding that a lot of the narratives of NIL the numbers aren't what people think they are and that every bit helps. Like I think everybody gets a little bit blinded by these gigantic numbers that they feel like, what's the point? Or they don't agree with it. So what's the point? Well, nobody agrees with, you know, everything that you're forced to do, but you still have to do it. Right. So it's a necessary piece of it. And I think there's enough people in the city that if everybody did a little bit, just a little bit, if everybody just got involved in some way, however you could get, like I say, even if that's going to, to games, it doesn't matter. However, you can support the program, you support the program. I think that's going to equate to winning because if you just show up to tailgate and we have recruits and you don't even go to the game because 
you can't afford to go to the game. That's fine. You tailgate and people see you there and recruits see, oh my gosh, there's tailgating here. Okay, you go to the game and it's sold out. Oh, people care. I think that's the trend. And then you combine that with, you know, some NIL opportunities through the city and through businesses, what that's supposed to be. I think that's how you can get the place where it needs to go. So literally activate the valley. That's why it's been the platform since I got here was that's how you win here. And if you don't, you won't win. We've gotten to know the Kenny on the field, but what about the Kenny off the field? He's married to his high school girlfriend, Bree, who is highly competitive herself. It's probably one of the reasons why they work out so well together. And I remember vividly, I was at Auburn and I came home at like 8.30 or 9 o'clock on a Monday. And normally I'm in the office till like 10.30 or 11. She's like, why are you home so early? I'm like, uh, I'm done. Like, this team doesn't do much on defense. There's not much to watch. She goes, are you complacent? Are you, are you getting complacent with this team? Like, you, like, that's her mindset is, like, she wants to win. Like, she is all in football. So she has just as much competitive fire and want to win in her than I do, and especially for this place. When Kenny's not coaching football, he's either playing card or chess games on his phone. He can also do magic, which he picked up in high school. He'll sometimes dabble in golf, where he goes against conventional wisdom and only uses one club for all 18 holes, if there's a time for it. But there's not too much time for hobbies for him as he tries to turn around the team he grew up rooting for. That requires him to be on the throttle, so to speak. It's like that until he goes to bed. I just fall asleep instantly. I am full speed ahead, full speed ahead, full speed ahead, full speed ahead, out. There's not like a transit, a very slow transition page. If there's anything to wind down, it's playing spades on my phone. Like in bed, just playing spades and just falling asleep to playing spades. I would say that'd be the only thing. Spades or chess, but I'm on a spades kick, so. There's a lot of work to be done for Kenny. It's been nearly 10 years since the Sun Devils had double-digit wins in a season. It's been four years since their last bowl win, and they have failed to even qualify for a bowl game in the past two seasons. Since the inception of the four-team college football playoff in 2015, ASU has not made it. But starting in 2024, the field expands to 12 teams. With the enthusiasm and youthful spirit that Dillingham brings, it's the first time in a while ASU has had someone like that leading the program. There's an energy building in Tempe, and Dillingham is the catalyst. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Valley 101. This episode was produced by me with interview support by Michelle Gardner. Editorial help by Kaylee Monahan, Emmanuel Alberto, and Kathy Tulamello. Today's scoring came from Universal Production Music. Additional audio came from ABC 15, ASU Athletics, and SunDevilSource.com. You can stay up to date on Valley 101 and all other Arizona Republic podcasts on Twitter and Instagram at AZC Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, subscribe wherever you get your podcast from, and please share with a friend. Next week, 
when people think about watering holes, a lot of times they tend to think of northern Arizona with good reason because there's a lot of great places up north. But particularly if you're here in the valley, there's a lot of great options down in southern Arizona as well that are as equally accessible. They look very different, but they're just as beautiful. We're hitting the road to discover more places to beat the heat. This time, outside the Valley of the Sun. Valley 101 is an Arizona Republic and azcentral.com production. I'm intern producer Logan Stanley, and this is the final podcast of my internship with the Arizona Republic. From the bottom of my heart, thank you so much to everybody who listened as we travel from Gila Bend in Buckeye to Chase Field in Harkins Theaters. This was a transformative summer for myself as I learned an entirely new skill. Special shout out to my two editors, Kaylee and Amanda, who have had a profound impact on me. And not to worry, the Valley 101 team is still working hard to answer your questions about the Valley. And we'll see you next week.